Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at If you have a spiritual bone in your body, you love that worship. Good job, worship team. They're going to come back in just a little bit here. Today's service is different, so just buckle your seatbelt or maybe unbuckle it. Three things. I want to just say, uh, <clears throat> good job, Boise State. Now, you don't, you don't know behind the scenes, but if you watched the whole game and watched after the game, you would have seen this picture. Put it up there. Not me. That. That's, that's Pastor Mark leading the team. Now, Mark has developed, he has, he's building into these guys a culture of prayer. They pray before the game. They're actually, they're player-led prayer in the locker room before they go out. Then they, they, certain players will ask Mark to pray for them. Mark has a chapel before the game the night before. 68 team members and coaches showed up there because it's not mandatory. The night before. When they go out of the tunnel, they head for the end zone and they all kneel and pray. Then after the game, Mark gathers them and prays like that. Now, you say, well, you know, God doesn't favor teams. Nobody favors people. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of the principles that they follow. And I'm just saying, I'm not saying that that's what caused the, them to win the game, but it may have had an influence. And so I just say, Mark, keep doing it. If you were to watch this, now, th- this is interesting. Now, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sports buff, so I watched this, this end of the game, and I watched afterwards. Do you know ESPN showed this longer than any other time I've ever seen on, on TV they zeroed in on the team praying at the end of the game. Then they even, they even had them getting up, standing after the prayer was done, and they were putting their hands in the, in the air to, to Jesus, if you would have seen that. I have video of it. And uh, so I just say, I, I just commend Mark. Pastor Mark, are you in here at this service? Yeah, Mark, bless you. Right back there. Thanks, Mark, for all you do. He... He flies with the team, and he'll get in late. I don't know if you probably got in early this morning, one <laughs> thirty, and he's still here for service. Just commend you for that. So, we're we're we need to be building a culture of prayer, no matter where we're at. Dan, good to see you. Yeah. Um, second thing. Uh, we are in the process. Well, let me, let me go to this one first. We are having a Faith Heights uh, work day, the September 12th, 13th, 14th. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if you'd like to help out, we were just up there yesterday. 
And I, I want to tell you, things are happening at Faith Heights. We're remodeling rooms. We put a sports court up this year. We put two bunkhouses. We're looking at putting two more. And we're just, uh, you know, remodeling as much as we can. And we're believing God's going to really use that. And uh, another week or so, the interns go up there and they, they spend a, 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 a part of the week just pouring into God and receiving from Him. But if you'd like to participate in a workday, we need, we need skilled and unskilled people coming up the 12th, 13th, and 14th. If you think you might be able to do that, would you go out to the table afterwards and sign up so we can get an idea so we can feed you? You can come up either Thursday, Friday. You can come up one day, both days, all three days if you want. And, uh, but we'll feed you and house you as well. And we want to thank you for doing that. We're making a difference up there. And God's there. So you're going to hear this today. God loves places. There's certain places God loves more than others. So understand that. The third thing I want to talk, just share with you, uh, mark your calendar. In January, January, the, about the third week, I think it's the 16th, 17th, 18th, right in there, we're having a prayer conference along with our, our vision or sacred assembly weekend. And so we're going to have it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we're inviting, we're going to have a prayer conference uh, that we have. Uh, I actually went to Frank DiMazio and asked if we could have, if we could begin a prayer conference in the Northwest again. So we've asked Pastor Frank to be here that weekend. We're also inviting some other people. We don't know if they'll show up, but we're going to invite Banning Libisher. We're going to invite Michael W. Smith, and we're inviting uh, Brooke Frazier and a few other people. Now, we're saying we're inviting. We're not saying they're, they're able to come yet, but we'll invite them and, and, and see if they can come. If, if not, we'll, we'll have other people we want to invite, but that Thursday, Friday particularly, we want to have a breakout wor uh, prayer and worship uh, conference. And I'm believing that my message beginning today is going to lead to that in January. So mark your calendars and mark your hearts. Are you ready? Father, we just, uh, we just believe today you're going to do something in our hearts deep and, and moving, and you're going to change us. Father, we ask for divine impartation and that you would uh, change our course of direction in our lives. Lord, let the plan of God be put deep within us and move us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. What in the world is going on in America? What's going on in the church? I'm going to talk about what has happened and what needs to happen. Stay with me. Now, this service is going to be different, so you're going to be up and down a lot. Just get ready. So, as I, as I watched the, the culture in the last few weeks, I was... I was moved and grieved two men stood up who have been prominent Christian leaders and said, I'm no longer a believer. I'm not going to name their names, but stood up and I'm going, what? And I realized because we've had contact with both of them over the years, some of our staff and different people that we know, and I realized 
once you have a God encounter, you will never have a time in your life that you will say, I don't believe in God. Once you have a God encounter. And I realized those young men probably never had a God encounter. And so I began to process in my mind what is happening in the culture because what, we're, what, is, what has really occurred, I believe, is that uh, we're being more influenced by the culture, the church, than we are influencing culture. So we let that filter into us, and it becomes a, a almost, I would call it a societal osmosis in the church. What is an osmosis? It's, it's going, it's silent, slow movement from one ground to another. And you're changed, and you don't even know it. And I believe the church, if it's not careful, will be, will be dis, uh, discipled and changed by our culture. I believe secular trends are, are hitting the church, and we're not holding up our core values, but we're allowing the values to influence us. I think there's an authority drift. I think that we don't honor authority. We don't, we're, we're departing from the biblical authority. There are certain core values God doesn't change. You see, the, 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 the values of, of God never changes. The values of people might. I stand with the Word of God, which is infallible. And I believe that if the church will will not depart from the Bible or depart from the, even the Old Testament. I hear pastors saying, well, we don't, we don't live by the Old Testament anymore. We live by the New Testament. Give me a break. I love the Old Testament. The Old Testament are signs and wonders and signs of, and foreshadowing of what God wants to do. Every book of the Bible is full of Jesus. So we have all these things occurring. We have a philosophical pluralism that's come into us, meaning that we, we, be, we, be, we actually give in to pragmatism, which means if it works, it must be God. That's not true. And also, we, I think we've given in to an entertainment culture where you come to church and you want to be, and I'm not just saying you, I'm talking about the church generally. You want to come, you want to be entertained. Can I just tell you, worship isn't entertainment. I, I, I didn't come up here to give you a bunch of jokes so you could laugh. I want to lead you into a God encounter that will change your life for the rest of your life. And we need the church to become that. Now, watch, watch this carefully. If you, if you notice something, and I'm going to use a couple illustrations, if you put something in a, in a freezer, what happens to it? It gets cold and freezes. The atmosphere of the freezer changes the contents, Right? If you put something in an oven, you turn the oven on, what happens to that which is in the oven? It gets hot and gets cooked, right? If you put something in anything, it becomes like what that place is. The church should be and have an environment where people come in and get changed by the presence of Jesus. That's what should happen. There should be an atmosphere and environment whenever we come in to the house of God that actually produces something in us. We become like Jesus because we are in the atmosphere of Jesus. Right? Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of it depends upon you. 
I'm going, to put, I'm going to put a lot on you today. You might even get a little mad at me. You might get a little uncomfortable. I'm telling you right now, you, 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 you need to realize God is at work. Now, I want you to turn to, to Luke, or excuse me, uh, first, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read uh, just the first eight verses here. 1 Timothy 3 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, un unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort of those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jonas and Jambre resisted Moses, so did do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. Now you all say, wow, that's a terrible list of things listed against the unbeliever. The problem was... That was a letter to the believers. That was in the church. Lord, help us. Lord, we just want to wipe away all of, the, all of the stinking atmosphere of the world and bring about God's atmosphere. We all need to be saying this and believing for this. So a lot of this falls on us. I, I love this, this uh, scripture in, in Luke 6, 17. In the Message Bible, it says, They all realized they were in a place of holy mystery, that God was at work among them, and they were quietly worshipful, and then noisily grateful, calling out among themselves, God is back. God is back. God is back. Looking to the needs of his people. Say, God is back. You know what happens when God's back? You get a little noisy. You get a little active. You get a little, you get a little excited. Something happens in your, in your spirit. You... You, the things that were on you during the week are, are, are released and, and something happens deep within you. And, and, and I, I found this quote, it says, In every age the church faces the danger of degrading itself from a movement to a place. From a conduit of God's mighty rushing wind to just a sacred place where we seek serene spiritual moments. From a rescue station to a spiritual country club. Lord, let that be here. Now, I'm going to talk about the DNA that God gave to us when we started the church. I can do that because I was here when it started. And God gave us the DNA, and I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to talk about how we can, once again, make, build an atmosphere, because the atmosphere in a, in a house, an atmosphere in your life, an atmosphere is determined, is basically is responsive to what you do and what we do in the house. So, in other words, we can't lean on the atmosphere just that the worship team builds, or that I build, or a few leaders build. We all have to build the atmosphere together, and I'm going to tell you how in a minute. And we need to have these characteristics. We need to have a Jesus characteristic in the house, meaning that his compassion and love should be here. In other words, we, we, we should be here. We should come to church expecting to receive Love and compassion, and you should expect to give it out. Because if, if you don't give it, it won't get received. 
So we need the Jesus factor. We also need the Holy Spirit characteristic. We need the Holy Spirit active in the church. We need to believe that the Holy Spirit will come. Do you know my life changed dramatically when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit? Happened in 1973, and everything changed from there. I'm telling you, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you're losing a big, uh, a big factor of how God moves in you. And also, we need to have presence-filled worship, which we, if, if you have a spiritual bone in your body, you would have felt this morning. There, there was, there was presence-filled spiritual worship. We could have kept going. I mean, it, it gets a hold of it. It, it changes things. It's, and, and it should worship, this kind of worship should fill our lives every time we come to the house of the Lord. We should have presence-filled worship. We also should have a, a, faith, a faith element when we come to the house of the Lord. We, we should expect to receive something. I, you know, my favorite scripture, I keep telling you this, Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, so be it. When you come to church, what's your faith level? Well, what is your faith level? Well, I just, I just come and I just hope something will happen. No, what is your faith? What do you, what do you believe in God for? You, you, have, you have to have, and how does faith come? Faith doesn't come just because you want it to. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, according to Romans chapter 10, if you really want to have faith, get in God's Word and say it out loud. You go to the next level when you say it out loud. It just, it, because according to Romans 10, your heart only believes your mouth. So if you want to change your faith level in your heart, change your confession. Start confessing out loud God's word. Now, I, I want to tell you how this works. Okay, yesterday, I just, this is a simple example. And so Chris and I and the older twins were watching the football game. Uh, the Boise State football game. The first half wasn't all that good. You know, and, and Chris got this bad attitude and started, you know, saying things along with his dad, I guess. And, oh, man, I don't know if they can do it, et cetera, et cetera. Quincy, one of the twins, he said, Papa, they're going to win this game. Papa, I, I believe in them. They're going to do it. He kept saying that the whole game. They're behind by two or three touchdowns. I'm going, well, I hope you're right. But I had, a, I had a spirit of doubt. Second half comes, he keeps saying it. Papa, they're going to win. Papa, that quarterback, he's good. He's going to keep, he's going to get better. He's just saying all these things. And, and by the end of the game, guess what? He's right. He spoke faith. Now, I'm not saying that in itself is what caused them to win or lose. You know, that's not the point. The point is that his faith brought something into him that changed the atmosphere. And I'm telling you, if you will start confessing God's word and saying what God says, not what you feel, the atmosphere will change. What would happen if we come in in that door and we say, man, this is a good day. Whoa, God's going to move today. I I sense God's going to heal. God's going to give miracles and signs and wonders. Instead of, oh, I had a bad week. Oh, man. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, man. Oh, my body. Instead of saying things like that, let's confess God's power in our lives. It's the faith factor. 
We also need to have the, the supernatural characteristic or element. We need to believe that the supernatural is going to happen every service. So we believe Jesus is going to be here. The Holy Spirit is going to be here. Worship is going to fill the house with his presence. We're going to have faith in our, in our uh, services. We're going to have belief for supernatural. Any, we, need to say, we need to believe anything can happen. Come on, anything can happen. We are believers, Amen. which means we believe in the supernatural. Instead of just coming. See, I, I think we need to get a, a, a holy dissatisfaction with where we've been. If you, if you just are, are satisfied with the status quo, you won't go anywhere. You've got to start elevating. I mean, talking to me. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to all of us. Come on, we got to get holy, a holy dissatisfaction with where we've been spiritually and go to another level. Start believing God. Start acting. Start praying. Start confessing the Word. Start doing the things that we know are God's will in our lives. The supernatural. And we got to get prepared. I call it the preparation element. You got to get prepared before you come to church. For Pete's sake, we're not entertaining you. You are not here just to receive and just to, just to do something. And, and, you know, I hope they have a good word today and I hope the worship's good. I don't like those certain songs and so I hope they don't sing those today. And praise God they got the carpet in finally. And, you know, and on and on our confession of doubt and, and, and complaint. Let's come in, man, and believe in God. We're just going to, and prepare our hearts. And you see this in all through, and I'm going I'm to deal with this in a little bit, even more. You see in the Old Testament, the Old Testament says that we, we don't come to the house to receive. We come to the house bringing. And the Old Testament is to bring a sacrifice. Well, that turned in the New Testament. We didn't give the sacrifice of animals now. We give the sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of joy, sacrifice of thanksgiving. Come on. You got you to bring something. You give the sacrifice of your finances. You should, have, you should be so excited when we have the offering. You should expect God to do something powerful. And in faith you're giving. You're planting a seed that has supernatural It has more power than any natural seed that you plant in natural ground. And when you plant it in the house of God with the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, you believe for supernatural uh, receptivity, a supernatural return, and supernatural activity on that seed that will send whatever is needed out to wherever it's needed. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to take the offering right now. Come on, we're going to do it right now. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to, come on, you've got to get a hold of faith. Can I just tell you again, you've got to come bringing something, even financially, to God every service. We're going to read two scriptures. You need to learn. You need to learn to read the Word. You need to learn to pray. You need to be a part of the, of the community of God. And you need to learn to give. I mean, those are spiritual disciplines. If you don't do that, and don't be a tipper of God, be a tither to God. Man, this is good today. Come on, you you got to do that. You got to learn to give. Now we're gonna we're gonna uh, say together, and we gotta have faith here. We we're gonna say together the scriptures that I'm put on the screen, and we're gonna we're gonna say the scriptures, and then we're gonna say this this uh, statement of faith together. So, can you put the scriptures up? And that's how you can give. Okay. 
Okay, I want you to stand. We're going to say these two scriptures together out loud, and then we're going to say our declaration out loud. Okay? Now, you got to let faith come. Come on, you got to get your offering ready. Now, if you're a, if you're a push pay person, just get ready and tap that bucket when it goes by. And come on, amen. If you're a check giver like me, the old time way, the best way, you just get re- your check ready. If you're cash or whatever you want to do, let's get it ready. So let's say this together. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. The second scripture. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, let's say this this declaration together. Let's say it together. No, that's not it. That's it. Okay, let's say it together. As I give in today's offering, I give with a heart of faith. I give that which I already have set aside for the Lord, my tithe and my offerings. I give believing that God will use my gifts for his purposes and that God will enlarge my faith to become a pipeline for God's provisions. Use me, Lord, and put it through me. Let your abundance flow through me. Lift your, lift your offering right now. Come on, lift your offering. Father, we're believing for a divine impartation this morning. As we give in this offering, we, we ask that you stir our faith. Let us have faith to believe that what we give is going to be extended in amazing supernatural ways. And let us also believe that the return to us will be multiplied and, and it will go in many different ways and come in many different ways. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. We pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that your grace would be sufficient and you would come upon our gifts and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I just have to tell you something. So, uh, Connie and I, we've been, you know, we've been saying the normal declaration, or as I give in today's offering, I'm believing for, you know, jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, increased benefits, checks in the mail. We got a check in the mail this week. I got a check in the mail this week. For no, someplace I had no idea that they said, we made a mistake, and here's several hundred dollars because we made a mistake. I'm saying, yes, Lord, checks in the mail. Come on. All right? Now, we're going to worship while you give. So go ahead and pass the baskets, and I want you to worship with the worship team as you give to God today. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Can you say amen? Now, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Chronicles, excuse me, chapter 13, where I, I don't have time to read it. I'll tell you the story. The Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament was a very important piece. It was sitting in the tabernacle of Moses, and in the Old Testament, it was noted that the Ark of the Covenant was the very presence of God. It was the very place where God dwelt. It was his presence, his glory. The voice of God would actually come from there. And in the Old Testament, you see that uh, uh, they, they had a situation come. It happened in, in, uh, during the time of, of, of Samuel and Saul. That, and, and after that, where 
where they lost the Ark of the Covenant. And the Philistines grabbed it and stole it and took it. They thought if they took it, then the power of God would be out of Israel. Well, what happened was it was, all, it was, it was, a, it was a curse to them. And they put it in the, in the temple of Dagon, which was their God that they worshiped, which was the fish God. And they found out that every morning after they put it in there, their God would be bowing down before the ark. The very presence of God would fall off and bow. All of a sudden, they started having hemorrhoids, everybody. There was kind of diseases and things happening. And, and they realized this all started when the ark came. We better get rid of the ark. We see this in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. So they, they put the ark on a cart, sent the oxen, sent it off towards Israel. So it passed over the border from the Philistines to Israel. The children of Israel saw it coming and they, they rejoiced and they, they went and grabbed the ark, the oxen and began to lead it. Well, the, the cart hit, hit a bump or something and the, the ark itself was about ready to fall and Isaiah put up his hand to stop it. God killed him. David was upset. God, why did you kill someone who was attempting to do something good for you? And they, they didn't get an answer right away, so they went back. Now, it's interesting that at that point, they took the ark. I'll tell you this story in a minute, too. They took the ark and put it in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. During that time, David and the priests began to search scriptures, and they found out you can't put the ark on carts. The ark has to be put on the shoulders of the priests. In other words, you can't put the presence of God on programs. You can't put the presence of God on just something we do. You bring the presence on the shoulders of the priests. Now, let's attach it to the New Testament. The Bible says you are kings and priests. You got to carry the anointing on your shoulders. I'm telling you, this is what we do in D.C. I believe every time. I tell our teams when we go into the offices of the, of the representatives and senators, you are carrying the glory in there. Put it on your shoulder and take it in there. And then I believe, I just have faith. I have the faith factor. I believe that when we go in there, anything can happen. And it does every time. Every time. Every, no, 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 no. It just happens every time. And I'm telling you today, we've got to start putting the ark on our shoulders. What does that mean? We've got to prepare our hearts to bring the presence wherever we go. When you come to church, you visualize yourself bringing the presence of God. Carry it on your shoulder. Shoulder means strength. You carry it where you're strong. Carry it in. Carry it in. Or as you you prepare and bring in the presence. You got to have your heart right. You have to have your spirit right. You have to have your faith right. You have to have a, a, just an expectancy. God's going to move. He's going to do something powerful. This is the DNA of our church. It's prayer and the power of God and the, the Holy Spirit and, and God moving in our midst in ways we've never seen before. You've got to believe for that. Come on. We got to get a holy dissatisfaction with where we've been. We've got to believe God that he's going to do something and not just sit as a bump on a log and, and just go, well, God will do it if he wants to do it. No, he'll do it if you come in and, and, and carry the glory, carry his anointing on your shoulder. Now, you've got to stop being a thermometer and start being a thermostat. You know why, how I know who thermometers are? Boy, that was, a, that was kind of a funny service. I didn't like the way you did that. 
And we get real critical about things. We don't like this. We don't like, I didn't like that song. And, well, I wish we'd do this. I wish they'd, no. A thermostat actually creates the atmosphere. Right? A thermometer is complaining about the temperature. Boy, that was good. Now, I'm telling you right now, can I just say this? I, I, today is the beginning of the meteorological fall. Did you know that? September 1st is the beginning of the meteorological fall. The, the astronomical fall begins September 23rd. It's the equinox change. But this really is the meteorological beginning, September 1st. I'm believing that from now on, the season in this church is changing. We're moving into a new season, a new time, a new, a new opportunity that God's going to do. I believe we're going we're to move into miracles. We're going to move into revival. I, I love 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 1 and 2. It says, When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifice, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. I'd like to see the fire of God come. I'd like to see him move and burn up the sacrifice. And we all need it. I, I need a new passion. Some of you have grown cold. You aren't the way you were three months, six months, two years, five years, ten years we got to be more passionate for God. we got to say, God, burn up this in me. You know what revival is? God comes down. Basically, revival is when God comes down. I remember a few years ago, uh, Connie and I went with, uh, went with people. We, were, we, were, we, we went to, people, to places where we heard that there was a revival. I believe that if we will build an atmosphere of faith and belief in the supernatural, people will start coming around the world here to sense God's presence and to be changed. So we heard there was a revival in Argentina. We went to Argentina. We saw, get in with Connie, we, we saw things we'd never seen before. I mean, we go, oh my word, this is, we heard the word fuego a whole lot. Fire! Fire! And they would just they would, they would actually, whole lines of people would fall like that. Fire. I mean, we went to services. They had, they had weddings in the middle of their services. They would have first service, then they'd bring in the bride and the groom, and they'd have a wedding, and then they'd have the second service. They'd just go from one service to all day. And, we're just, and the power of God was there. Then we heard about a revival in Toronto. So we went up to Toronto, and wow, the power of God was there. And, and we saw things that, ha that happened that we'd never seen before. We come back to church then, and, and, and I just spoke the next Sunday, and the fire of God fell. I didn't think it would. I didn't know if I had anything. Connie didn't know if she had anything. But we, 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 we sensed the presence of God, and I preached, and the fire of God fell in the house. We were never the same again. So, shortly after that, Connie got stuck to the floor right here. I, I, she was stuck. She couldn't move. I had great faith, so I pushed, I was trying to push her. Come on, you got to get off that. She was spiritually stuck to the floor for an hour and a half. We put a chair under her so she could sit down, and she was never the same again. There was a Holy Ghost intercession came on her, a Holy Ghost breakthrough anointing, a Holy Ghost prayer anointing. Different things would come upon, and we began to, all of us began to experience things like that after we were in a revival. Then we went to, uh, Oh, this is interesting. I didn't even tell you this, Connie. I don't think. 
we went to uh, Pensacola because we heard there was a, a revival there. And we went into this meeting and people were getting saved by the hundreds. And the power of God was, and a few of us, there was a team of us and we, we went to a restaurant that night. This is before, this is 1999 about, this is before the prayer center was in existence. And we went out to eat and a prayer partner of mine from Portland, Oregon, his name is Mark Jones, he and I were getting out of the van going into the restaurant and I couldn't move. And I started, my stomach was bent over and Mark was there just praying over me. And, and we were there, I don't know how long. And we, the whole team left us and did their natural duties in the restaurant. And we were out doing spiritual work, you know. And here we were outside in the van and God then told us, we were, I don't know how long we were there, but it was the power of God moving in me. I felt like I was birthing. I'd never, of course, birthed the baby before, but I felt like I was birthing something in my belly. And Mark Jones, who was there with me, prophesied, you're birthing something right now. Years later, we looked back and we thought, ha, huh, that's when the prayer center was birthed. That night in Pensacola, Florida, Okay, last week I'm in Portland, Oregon. I walk into the room where we'd had revival services years before, and I see Mark Jones. He comes running to, this is the guy that was with me. Now we're both older. He comes running. He said, the van, Ken, the van, the van comes running. He just put his hands on me, started praying. We're going to believe for another birthing, another birthing. And he began to pray. And I told him then later what we're doing in January. He says, I'm going to be there. I'm telling you, God's up to something. The season's change has occurred. The atmosphere of God is requesting you to do something to bring it. Is this making sense? So, watch this. So we're going to believe for a revival. Revival, Habakkuk 3.2 says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, your, I'm going to read it up here. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. I'm believing for a revival. Revival is this, it's to recover, repair, revive, to restore. It's to fan into flame, to bring back into original power. It's to experience God coming down. We need to experience God coming down. Come on, we gotta have God coming down again. And, I, and that, re, that reminded me of a scripture that, that, we, we, that we read almost every time we go to Washington, D.C. Isaiah 64, one through three. It says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, and the mountains shook at your presence. Come on, we want a, we want a heavens rendered moment. We want that to occur. This, and I'm going to give you seven things here that, that, that occur in this scripture. When God comes down, this is what happens. The heavens are open. The portal comes down. The portal is opened up. Secondly, impossible mountains are dissolved. 
the impossible situations that you didn't think could take place happen when God comes down. I'm telling you, in revival, you don't have to worry about things. They just happen because God's moving. God is moving in a powerful way. We also see that needless deadwood that has kind of built up in our lives is consumed and, and destroyed by God. It just consumed. The, the things that have just come against us and, and, her, and kind of uh, limited us and, and, and overtaken us is consumed. Fourthly, the lukewarmness is turned to a hot fire. Come on, it's just turned around. I'm telling you, some, some of you today, I can see in your face, you need a Holy Ghost passionate hit. You need the fire of God to come on you. I'm, I'm talking to all of us for that matter. We need more of God. I don't need more of the news. I don't need more of my culture. I don't need more education necessarily. I need more of God. I need more of His presence, His goodness, His kindness, His power. It's powerful. The fifth thing that I saw in this scripture is that the mighty names of God become our victory. You start saying Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah, you know, Rapha, the different names of God, and they, they actually bring about what we say. God's names are powerful. The sixth thing the, the, that I saw was the boundaries are pushed out. The, the limitations that we've had are pushed way out. It says the nations will hear of it and will tremble. That means that the word is going way out and things are happening. The last thing is it, that the impossible things become possible. I saw that in the scripture. It's all in scripture. The, po the impossible things become possible. Now, I'm sitting here today. I, I, I believe that everyone in this room have impossible situations that you, you have believed for or you're asking God for or God's put in your heart or something. It does not happen. But I believe impossible things can become possible when God shows up and God comes down. When, when, when God rends the heavens and come down, things that you didn't believe possible are going to happen. And it's not going to happen in your timing, in your way. It's going to happen in God's timing, in His way. And He's going to move. So, so we see this is what we want. Is this what you want? Uh, it's what I want. It's the DNA of this house. We started this house in prayer and revival. And we need to see it continue. You need to see God move in your life in such ways that you'll say, man, this is incredible. One, one more scripture in 2 Samuel 6.10. This is the scripture that I mentioned to you. This is powerful. When, remember the cart? So the cart got stopped. I'll, I'll read this to you, 2 Samuel 6.10. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Why? Because the guy got killed. He didn't know what to do. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. Now watch that. God blessed the whole house of Obed-Edom and all that belonged to him because of the presence of God that was in his house. So David went, I think David was jealous, three months now. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David of rejoicing. He brought up the glory. He brought up the presence. He brought up the voice of God. He brought up the ark of the covenant and said, we're going to bring it back to the house of God. It was in the house of Obed-Edom. It brought blessing and increase and multiplication and everything else. Can I tell you right now, we need to bring the house, the, the ark of the covenant, the presence of God back to the house, back to our house. This should become the house of Obed-Edom. You need to take the Ark of the Covenant into your house and believe for blessing and increase and multiplication. 
believe that God is going to do something miraculous as we see this. And what happens when the, when the ark comes in, you're going to have divine interruptions. They're going to have divine things that happen that you didn't schedule. Some of you are too controlling. God, you got to do this. And God, you gotta, no, just bring the uh, presence in and God will do what needs to be done. You'll have divine interruptions. And, and, and it's interesting because this also, whenever the, the Ark of the Covenant comes in, it marks a new season. It marks a new season. I'm believing that we're starting a new season today. Today. A new season of fruitfulness and exciting. It also brings increased blessings that are released. The favor of God just comes. I'm telling you, let's start believing God for all these things. Come on, in Jesus' name, we're going to see this occur. Now, now interestingly enough, if you, if you read through the Bible, you will see an interesting correlation. I'm going to close here. You will always see the, how, the presence of God going into houses, certain houses, and certain rooms. Acts chapter 2. They were in the upper room. And they're all agreed. They're all in unity and agreement. And God shows up in a room. We need to prepare another room for Jesus. We need to prepare a house for God. A certain place. Now, it's interesting. God likes certain locations, places, houses, rooms. He likes certain times. And this is all scriptural. And he likes certain people who are, have a heart after him. You see this in 2 Chronicles 6, 19. God is looking, God's eyes go throughout all the earth to find whose heart is perfect towards him. I'm telling you guys, I believe we started the season. God's putting in our hearts. Has, has he started putting in your heart something today? Something? Something believing that God's going to fire us up and the, God's going to come down? Lord, rend the heavens. Lord, rend the heavens. Lord, rend the heavens. Come down. We're going to see revival. Revival is when God comes down. And we've got to, we've got to believe for that. We just can't. Come on, people. Let's not believe for the status quo. I'm, yeah, I'm going to church today. I'm going to sit for an hour and a half, and we'll do a few songs. And We don't do songs here. We do worship. I have a prophecy for you two guys. Stand up, would you? The Lord spoke to me in the service. I, was, I looked back and I saw you, and God put his hand like a fork on you. And the Lord told me that there's going to be a new, fresh anointing on you that your father has been praying for you since you were little. I saw you as almost little babies, and you've been crying out for God for certain things for these boys. And it's going to come. Lift your hands right now. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Father, we're just believing right now for a divine impartation. Lord, an anointing that's going to carry these young men. You're going to do something special in their hearts. You're going to, you're going to wreck them for Jesus. You're going to turn things that, they, that have limited them, and you're going, to, you're going to restore that passion. And you're going, to, you're going to loose, I just saw, loosing in their hearts for the things of God. You're going to start feeling from your head, your toes right now. Jesus, there's going to be a worship that's going to fill your hearts. Your, your desires and your hopes and dreams are going to start changing as you soak yourself in the presence of Jesus. Come on, Dad, you prayed for this for a long time. It's going to start today. I release it to be done in Jesus' name. God bless you guys.
Now, I want everyone who has a healing need, if you need healing, stand your feet right now. You, you have a healing need in your body. You need God to come. God needs to come and heal. Lift your, put your hands out right like this, just like you're receiving oil. Just pretend like the oil is coming from heaven and going to deposit in your hands. Congregation, stretch your hands towards them. Put your hands on them if you can. I want every, every person standing having somebody touching them. Come on, right now, in Jesus' name. Father, When you come down, you heal. I'm praying for a divine healing today, a divine supernatural touch that goes deep into their physical body, even touches their soul and their spirit. Lord, I, I rebuke the infirmity in Jesus' name. The infirmity that was assigned, we cancel every assignment of the devil and we release the power of God through the portal of heaven, through the glory of God. Let the ark of his presence come and heal these, your people, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, turn that which seems impossible, make it possible. Right now, possible. Possible, Jesus' name. Lord, we release it. God, God, I just pray right now, power of the Holy Spirit from the front of the congregation to the back, right now, right now, everyone receiving healing, receiving healing, receiving the abundance and the power and the presence of God. Just receive it now. Expect God to do it. Expect God. Don't doubt. Expect. Oh, fill. Fill with the presence of God. Right now, Jesus' name. Now, those of you standing, begin to thank him. Thank him with your lips. Don't thank him with just your, your mind. Thank him. Say, thank you, Lord, for healing me. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your impartation. Thank you, in Jesus' name. God, come. Oh, God, Lord, blow upon him now. Let the Holy Spirit wind of God blow. 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 Let the fire of God remove the dross. Remove the dead wood. Bring it in Jesus' name.